0: Miami Valley Church. My name is Pastor Jed, and I am so thankful to get to worship and follow our Lord alongside of you in your house church today. If this is your first time joining us, your first time being part of a house church, I want to say welcome. As we start this morning, I want to give you the name of today's message right up front, and it's this. The church is under attack. The church is under attack, and maybe you're listening to this today, and it stirs something inside of you. You look around at everything that's happening right in front of your very eyes in our world today. And there might even be some head nodding in agreement going on in your house church this morning. Family, the church is under attack. Internally, there's fighting going on. The church is under attack. Externally, there are forces coming against it, and the church is under attack. Or maybe you're indifferent. You're unmoved. You're numb to this phrase. The church is under attack. For some of you, maybe this phrase gives you anxiety for the upcoming political season that we are about to enter into and you see where things are heading. The church is under attack. However, for today's teaching, this message title isn't about today. It's about the early church. And we're going to continue in the series in the book of Acts that we've been looking at here. And we've been we've been going through the book of Acts and we're looking at the early church, and we've gone through Acts, chapters one, chapters two, and chapter three. And Jesus has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes. Salvation comes in the name of Jesus and the church is born. The church is in this infant stage. It's new. It's growing. It's exciting. And we see how they view themselves as students, constantly learning and striving to be more and more like Christ. We're seeing how they view themselves as family, sharing what they have, including meals together. We've seen how they've fixed their gaze upon Jesus, how their gaze is upward, just staring at him. And their ambition is outward, constantly telling those around them all about Jesus and what he has done. And now as we enter into chapter four, as we go through this book, we are seeing how the good news of Jesus Christ is starting to spread where they are right now to outward to all over the world. It's going out. It's spreading. It's growing. It's exciting. So here's what I want you to do in your house church. I'm going to ask if someone would read out loud for your house church, Acts 4, 1 through 13. Acts 4, 1 through 13. There's going to be a timer that comes up. And when it does, right after this, would you just hit pause as you read it out loud together? Would you share anything that stands out? Maybe something just jumps out as you go through that together. Would you share that in your house church? And then we're going to come back and we're going to take a uh, closer look at it. We're going to dive deeper into into these uh, verses here in Acts 4. So right now... Would you please read, would you have someone read out loud right now, Acts 4, 1 through 13, in your house, church. Hey, before we go deeper into this text today, I would love for us to pray to just come before God and to just pray a prayer of praise, telling him who he is and telling him how thankful we are that we get to do this. So let's pray together right now. Almighty God, Lord, you are unlike any other God. Nothing compares to you. God, you're you're mighty. You're powerful. You're a strong God. You're the God of compassion. You're slow to anger. And God, you know us by name. You know every single detail about us. You love us so much. God, you're incredible. You are awesome. We just bow in reverence right now before you. God, we humbly come before you and say, holy are you, Lord. God, this place that we stand in right now, it's undeserved privilege. It's not because of what we've done or anything that that we could do. To earn our way into this place. But God, it's because of what you gave. Your one and only son, Jesus. It's by his body being ripped apart on the cross. It's, it's by his blood being poured out for us. His, his life. God, that you allow us to come close. you invite us to come close. It's all because of Jesus. And we praise the name of Jesus. We say thank you, God, for giving your one and only son, Jesus. We trust in him. We believe in him. We follow him. And Lord, we want to be obedient to the things that he says to do. And so right now in this moment, God, as your spirit just leads us uh, into your word today, God, to to know who you are, Lord, I pray that it would stir something inside of us to trust you more, to let it begin right here in our hearts, God, that it would move into our homes and our neighborhoods and our communities. May it start right here with us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, as we jump into this text, Acts chapter 4, it can be kind of confusing without any background or context. Maybe this is your uh, first time joining us, and you might be wondering who are these people? As you just read this out loud, who are who are these people that are being mentioned here in uh, Acts chapter 4? Why why are they upset? What happened to make uh, these men, Peter and John, why why are they thrown in jail? And I, I want us to see that uh, chapter 4 starts out as a continuation of the end of chapter 3. And so we need to really just back up a little bit in order to really understand what's happening here. And so if you missed last week or you want to go back and catch up, you can visit our YouTube channel, Miami Valley Church. Uh, go back to last week's teaching and listen to Dr. Cox uh, as he walks us through Acts chapter 3. And as we read in Acts chapter 3, uh, it tells us about a man who had been laying crippled outside the temple gate. And he was healed in this miraculous story, and it told about his transformation. It's an incredible story. But to summarize all of this, we can look at Acts chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, Through faith in the name of Jesus. This man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. This is what Peter and John were announcing to the crowds as we pick back up here in Acts chapter 4. But it says right there in the text that they are confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees, and it says that they were very disturbed. Don't you find that odd? This is a good thing, right? A man who had been crippled, who had been laying there for quite some time, he can now walk. Isn't that a good thing? But it says that they were very disturbed. And here's what I want to show you. That each one of these groups, these these people who we're looking at here, they were greatly offended for differing reasons. These priests, rulers, elders, and scribes were, were people who, because of their positions, note that because of their positions, They benefited from a religious system that was being threatened by this new movement, these followers of Jesus, proclaiming Jesus as the risen Savior and Lord, who came to do what their religious system was unable to do, which was the complete forgiveness of sins. Don't miss that today. The complete forgiveness of sins. This group called the Sadducees, and maybe this is your first time looking at this, and you're like, what in the world is that word, Sadducees? This is a group of people, and it says that they were disturbed. They were greatly annoyed because of what was being preached, and they did not agree with it. They did not believe in it. This group, the Sadducees, they they would have only accepted the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and they flat out rejected any form of resurrection. They did not believe in it. And so as Jesus was being proclaimed as the risen Savior, that's a very bold title, the risen Savior and Lord who offers forgiveness of sin and eternal life to those who by faith believe in him. This went completely against what they thought, what they believed, in this was radical. But I want to ask you today, what do you believe about Jesus? As you hear this, what do you believe about him? Do you believe that he is the Son of God? Do you believe that he came to this earth, that he lowered himself? That he came to this earth, that he lived a life of perfection, that he was crucified for your sin, for my sin, that he saved us from the penalty of our sin. That he was put on a cross to death and placed in a tomb, that he was raised to life from the grave, that he is our Savior. And that through him we have forgiveness of our sins once for all time. And that he is Lord of all. Do you believe? Is that what you believe today? This proclamation strongly went against what the Sadducees believed. So they disagreed with Peter and John. They were greatly disturbed. They were greatly annoyed by what was going on, by this preaching. That these guys were were speaking to the crowds about this Jesus and what he had done. Because even though the position the Sadducees held was a religious one, they were more concerned about the politics of it all. These people were wealthy, they were affluent, and they were the elite of the society. And their highest priority was the cooperation with and the appeasement of Rome and its political system and agenda. And they wanted to make sure that they weren't going to do anything to jeopardize their position. So with that in mind, you can see how they were greatly disturbed. They were greatly annoyed because the crowd here, they were rejoicing. They were amazed over a man who had been healed, who who had been crippled for so long, and now he is up walking around. And the Sadducees and the other uh, groups of people here, they they are disturbed. They are annoyed. They don't want to mess up what they uh, have going on here with Rome they didn't want there to be an uprising. And worst of all, they thought that they had done away with this Jesus by putting him on a cross, by putting him to death, by placing him in a tomb. They thought that they, thought that they were over and done with him. A family lookout, his message is still being told. And so what do they do? They place Peter and John. They, they, they put them under arrest. They put them in jail until morning until they can be interrogated, until they can be questioned. But don't miss what verse 4 says. It says, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Family with, uh, with women and children to this number, uh, it is estimated that there are roughly 10,000 people total in the church now. Amen. And so, family, the church is growing. We get, to, we get to see this picture of the church in its early stages, and we get to see it growing. How exciting is this? Look how from just a few followers, just a few followers, we get to witness the church explode in growth. And I want to ask you today, is this part of your prayer? Are you desiring to see more and more, not just people to fill seats in a building, but to see people truly fall in love with Jesus and it radically changed their life, radically changed their life. Are you praying to get a glimpse of heaven right here on earth? Are you not giving up on seeing his bride, the church, be unified as we await our King's return? And right here in this text, we get a glimpse and I want us to see that it didn't require a great architecture uh, design. It doesn't mention anything about programs or, or marketing strategy or lights or fog machines or the latest and greatest uh, technology or, or best worship music. No, it was the simple yet powerful message of Jesus being boldly shared everywhere they went. Amen. And it says many people who heard their message believed it. So faith comes by hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Family, that's faith. Hearing the good news about Jesus, believing who he is, who he says he is, who he is, and placing your trust in him as Lord and being obedient to what he says to do. Amen? So Peter and John are arrested, and they are held in jail until morning, and they are interrogated, and they're, they're questioned, and they are uh, just have all these things thrown at them. And look what it says it says they demand by what power by what power or in whose name have you done this family the church is under attack this is the first time in the book of acts that we see persecution come against the church and there are some takeaways i believe that we need to look at here how easy would it have been for peter and john to go on the defense and and just attack these religious rulers and and start harassing them interrogating them For the way that they've been treated for the way that they have been arrested for the way that they have held them in jail for uh the ways that they have just made their lives inconvenient and unenjoyable but look how they handle themselves they don't form a mob they don't start a protest and destroy things they do not boycott i think we must remember the words of paul in ephesians 6 2 that says for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places that when we come up against opposition our immediately our immediate fleshly response can be to attack the person on the other side but the bible reminds us that when there is conflict in our lives we are not battling against other people but against the enemy against the devil against his his troops, against his army who operate in the unseen realm family. The enemy is real. And we get a clear picture of his job description in Scripture, and it says that he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I love what Peter and John do here in this passage. When questioned about the power and authority, Peter responds with the same question back to them. Do you want to know how he was healed? He asks them the question back. He sets it up. He, he teased it up to put Jesus on display. He says, let me clearly state to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name. Under heaven by which we must be saved. Wow. Knowing what you know about these people who are coming against Peter and John, who who are trying to quiet everything down, who who see the crowd getting excited, who see the people believing, who are coming against the church. How do you think this hit them? Rather than attacking the people who are opposing them, Peter and John press into Jesus. It says that they are filled with the Holy Spirit and love, and they proclaim the gospel to them so that they too may be saved. Amen. They saw this as an opportunity to share Jesus, to make his name great, to bring him glory. And I love this. It can become so easy for us when we get offended, when we get our feelings hurt, to then go on the defense and attack the person across from us it can be so easy for us to just judge someone and write them off and maybe even want the worst for them we can allow our emotions our flesh to become so enraged that we fly off the handle to prove our point or we can allow the spirit to fill us and let him guide us and and his word to flow from us what's more important to you the satisfaction of a win for you or for the Lord to get the glory Don't forget that you yourself are a sinner saved by grace. That while you were far from God doing your own thing, it took someone to share the gospel with you, to share Jesus with you. What should shock us as we read this together is, this is Peter we're talking about here. The same Peter that we see all throughout the gospels, that is quick to respond in a fleshly way. And I think it's to show us not only the growth of the church in large, but individually how Jesus transformed each of us from the inside out. Look at the work that's being done in Peter here. And Jesus can do the same in your life. Do you believe that today? No matter how far you think you are away, no matter how many things you, you think you've done that are wrong in God's sight, Jesus, an encounter with Jesus, trusting in Jesus, following Jesus, can radically change your life. Do you believe that today? And family, that's a never-ending transformation. We are constantly being molded and purified to look more and more like Jesus. And I want to ask you, is that part of your prayer? Lord, make me more and more like Jesus. Take away the things that I hold on to. Take away the things that I idolize or the things that are not pleasing in your sight. No matter where you are in life, keep growing in Christ. But look here at the growth of Peter. We see Peter and John doing what they knew to do. The only thing they knew to do, and that's preach Jesus. Rather than attacking the people who are opposing them, they lean into Jesus and in love and they proclaim the gospel to them so that they too might be saved. Amen. Just as they had been offered grace, they saw an opportunity to show the Father's love. Second Peter three nine tells us about the Lord when it says He does not any, He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. What a way to display the kingdom here on earth to show grace—the same grace that we have been given. We then get the opportunity to share it with others. In Acts four verse thirteen, it says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. The boldness, hang on to that, of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I love this. What a compliment. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And I want to ask you. What about in your speech, the things that that you post online, the things that you participate in, the the way that you spend your time, the things that you invest in? Do people recognize you as someone who has been with Jesus? What about when you face opposition, when when someone offends you, when someone hurts your feelings, when someone disagrees with you, when, when someone questions you, and even when someone attacks you? What's your first reaction? Is it to go off? Is it to fly off the handle? Or is it to show grace? One more thing I want us to see from this text. When you think about opposition, facing criticism and uh, the interrogation that's happening here, the church is under attack. Recorded in this passage, it's it's really a bit shocking. One, that a group of people, religious people, might I add, are greatly disturbed. They're they're disturbed. They're annoyed because a man who is crippled has now been healed. Really? Once again, how is this a bad thing? This should be shocking to us that, that they are disturbed by this. And two, that there are groups of people here that are greatly disturbed, that they are annoyed because this, this group believes in something, and mainly someone, that they do not agree with. They're disturbed. They're annoyed. And Peter and John had done nothing illegal. The, the lame man being healed here, it was a good thing, right? The gospel being preached was a good thing, even if some did not believe in it because it was a message of hope. Yet even the two good things had been done there. There was opposition to it. Good had been done to a lame man and it was supposed. Good had come to the world in the form of the church, serving the world through the, proclam- the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ, yet it was opposed. Family, we should not be taken by surprise when the good that God is doing in the world, especially through the church, is opposed. Satan despises anything good that God has designed, and from the very beginning, he has relentlessly attacked the good so that we who are intended recipients of the goodness of God may suffer. The book of Genesis begins with this beautiful picture. God created all that there is, and in multiple occasions, he steps back and he says, it is good. We do not get very far into the story. they are not even quite three chapters in, and we find that the enemy is coming in, and he's attacking the good that God had created. And in the very same way, here we are in the book of Acts, and it begins with this beautiful picture. Jesus ascends. The Holy Spirit arrives. Salvation comes to man in the name of Jesus. The church is born. It's growing. We, We see it spreading. The lame are being healed, and the good news is being preached. Yet right here in just chapter 4, right here early on, we find the story taking a turn because the enemy begins to attack the church and its ministry in the world. Satan hates the good that God has for us and seeks to destroy. Don't miss that today. He seeks to destroy or at least distort what God has made for our good. Family, he's good at what he does, and he came to steal, to kill, and destroy Family, we need to be aware that, that, that we as followers of Christ are going to face opposition. The church was, is, and will be under attack. But don't let that rattle you today. 1 Peter 4.16 says, But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian, for being a follower of Christ. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Amen. Maybe this is a verse you and your house church need to memorize for this week together as we think about opposition, as we think about the church being under attack. I challenged our house church a couple weeks ago to memorize scripture together, to write it down, to be specific, uh, to to zero in on the verse and and to place it around their homes and their workplaces and their cars, places where the enemy tries to rob, to to steal and to to kill the things around them, the, the joy that that the lord has for them the enemy wants to rob that joy from them and so i i challenge our house church put that verse around those places to speak that truth over the lie that satan is telling them and so i want to challenge you this body in the same way write this verse down first peter 4 16 it says but there is no shame to suffer for being a christian praise god for the privilege of being called by his name Place it around the areas in your life. Speak it out loud. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Praise God. Let me ask you this. Have you forgotten the privilege of being called by his name? How often do you praise God when you get offended? How often is that your first response? Praise you, God, that I'm called by your name. What about when someone disagrees with you? What about when someone hurts your feelings? What about when someone attacks you? Family, there are people all over this planet who are being beaten, who are being thrown in jail, who are being literally killed over their belief and preaching in the name of Jesus. Family, the church is under attack. And So how do we take what we heard today? How do we, how do we move it into here, our hearts, and allow it to go into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our communities and beyond? How do we, how do we allow it to spread and go out It has to start here, and I believe that it starts with a prayer. And so I'm going to ask you and your house, church, just to pray together as we conclude our time here right now. Would you praise the Lord together? Tell him who he is. Start out in praise. Tell him who he is. Tell him how awesome he is, how wonderful he is. Would you ask the Lord for more and more to come to know him? Would you beg the Lord? To see his church grow, not only in number, but, but to be more and more like him in every single way. Would you ask him to give us a glimpse of what it would look like for heaven to be reflected right here on earth? Maybe even right here where he's put us. Would you ask him for boldness, to, to love and to share Jesus, to respond with grace in every conversation, good or bad? And then I want to ask you to do something if you really mean it today, if you're you're really serious about this, I want to ask you to ask him, would you let it start in my heart? Right here, would you let it start with you? Because family, if it doesn't start right here in our hearts, it'll never go into our homes, it'll never go into our neighborhoods, it'll never go into our communities, it'll never go out to this world, but it has to start right here. Are you serious about this? Do you call him Lord and are you going to follow him? Are you going to do the things that he says? And so that's our prayer. I want to ask you in your house church to do that right now. Would you praise him? Would you go before him right now in prayer? Praise the Lord. Don't forget that you have been called by his name, that we get to do this and that our king is coming back. Would you do that now in your house church?